Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30, and, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, of course, it's the second Sunday in the month. We have to say a very good morning to Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombernane. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there. It's always interesting to listen to that theme music, isn't it, before the garden show? Right. And coming in this morning, I was really early, and I was listening to some Sufi music on the ABC, and it's very similar to what you're playing here. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're you're really spiritual. Oh, goodness. us, Us gardening people. Oh, well, there you go. How's the pruning coming along, Greg? Oh, yeah, well, slowly, but, mate, you've got another four weeks to prune. It's okay, yep. really. Yep. But the rain, isn't it magnificent? Oh. Every dam around us is just overflowing, which is fantastic. Yes, mm. no, it's wonderful. It we'll really s- is. save this water up for the next uh, drought in, in, in a few years' time. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll last that long, Graham, but no. at least uh, I think we're destined for a really wonderful spring. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yes. Our, our creek's flowing, and, and, of course, once our Sunday creek's flowing, we've got the platypus that, that you'll see a lot easier. Wow. Because they're, they're, they're pretty dodgy, and they Great time to see them is is um, just at sun up in the morning, and they just surface in the water. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Platypus. Yes, mm. excellent. Australian icon. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, that's great. We've also got to say a very good morning to Virginia Haywood. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning. Yes, I have to agree, Graham. I think that the rain is truly spectacular, although it has been cold. Mm. I mean, I don't usually complain about the cold, but sometimes it's been a bit cold and a bit grey. I know it's good. Well, I think it's been the winds, particularly this mm. week, yeah. very yeah. cold winds. On, but... on Thursday, I've got two um, open gardens coming up, one with U3A and one with the Salvia Study Group. So, you know, it's that I've got to tidy up, got to do this, damn the blackbirds digging up my paths. <laughs> oh, aren't those weeds doing well? It's all that sort of thing. And on Thursday, I tried about six times. I went outside to garden and the wind just drove me in. It was so cold. Yes. No, Friday. It was yes. Friday. Couldn't yes. do it. Yep. Just couldn't do it. Yep. It was too cold, too miserable. So out I'd go, back in I'd come, out I'd go. <laughs> Pathetic. So I went to the doctor instead. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also have to welcome back to the, the studio Sue Stevens. Um, and Sue, of course, is head propagator out at Bushland Flora Nursery. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Pam. How are you? Oh, great. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. And we've got the studio looking like a, <laughs> a nursery. It's unbelievable. Yes, it's... I've brought in the stock garden to... Uh show what the flowers and everything are looking like because all the um, six-inch pots we have at the moment aren't in flower. So, yeah, if you can... So that you can relate to the names. And I must say, Stephen doesn't particularly like my name-picking for them. (laughs) Next time uh, we've got to name something, I might give him a ring. Oh, right. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he's a bit fussy on plant names. I've heard him speak about names of plants before and I can't think of what it is now. Is it a... um, rhododendron that ended up with a horrible name that he talks about. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> ah, well, I think the plants speak for themselves this morning, though. Yeah, they're beautiful, though, aren't they? This time of Stunning. the year, yes, it's just wonderful to have the Australian natives in your garden. And, mm. um, yeah, having both, like I've got the exotic and, and the natives, you've just got continual flowers for all the little birds. Yes. Yeah, they're just beautiful. Perfect. Yeah, so I've probably got about 100 in the garden at one time, which is spectacular. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Now, Virginia, you and Sue did a walk yesterday for Plants Trust. We did. We did a walk of the Botanic Gardens. It was absolutely fantastic. The Botanic Gardens have got four registered collections. So we thought we never... We often have these outings. We usually have about four outings a year. Oh, I should explain. Plant Trust is a little organisation that is concerned with encouraging people to collect um, garden plants. There's a lot of concern about native plants becoming extinct or disappearing, but people tend to forget that it happens with uh, garden plants as well, particularly in Australia, because you've got things that, like um, Ceanothus, which has been seen in California to be carrying the sudden oak death, which is affecting California really badly, well, if it carries that, there's absolutely no way we'll get another Ceanothus into the country. No, that's right. So if we don't protect the ones we've got because they are so beautiful, and I think Lamleys is the only people that carry something unusual in Ceanothus. Right. And so what we do is we encourage nurseries, we encourage botanic gardens, we encourage ordinary people just to keep a collection of a t- particular type of plant, a particular genus. And the botanic gardens has got four. It's got viburnums, camellias, it's got a world-listed camellia collection. It's interesting with camellias. You know, Australia is way ahead in camellia breeding. Good heavens. You wouldn't expect it, but we are. We've, I can't quite remember what the statistic is, but Tim Entwistle mentioned it last week. But we, whenever there are new camellias, if you look at all the new camellias in the world in, in one two-year period, a whole lot of them will have been bred in Australia. All right. And so we've got camellias, we've got... The Araucariaceae, now the Araucarias are the pine trees that only occur in the southern hemisphere. The, the most classic would probably be the monkey puzzle tree mm-hmm. and the Norfolk Island pine. Right. And, of course, a lot of them, there's quite a lot in Australia. The cowrie is another Araucaria. The Woolamai pine is an Araucaria. So that Araucaria collection is held there. And what have I left out? Sue? Pomodiris. Oh, and the Pomodiris, yes, which is a native which is why Sue had to come, because neither Stephen or I knew anything about pomodirus. I went rushing around the garden last week looking. There's hundreds of them in the garden. And <laughs> right. I've, I've never previously noticed them. <laughs> okay. One of, the, one, of, one of the people in the working there, Kevin Walsh, is responsible for that. He particularly loves it. The same's happened with the camellias. You know, particular people have worked there and, and loved them, and they've grown. So, yep, we had about... 35, 40 people yesterday. Excellent. And we spent the whole day in the Botanic Gardens. Lovely. It was gorgeous. Mm, fantastic. Mm. And we even saw some sunshine there. Yes, it was lovely. It was, and then the wind wasn't too bad. And so we, you know, we walked and talked. And, of course, with Stephen there, lots of talking and lots of knowledge. I mean, he, he really is a depth of knowledge. Oh, yes. Mm. So it was fabulous. And lots of good stories too yeah. with the plants. Yeah. It was interesting... Um, the yellow, the plant that had the beautiful yellow flowers that he was said was they thought was extinct through the world. What was that? It's from from Easter Island. It's a plant from Easter Island, and it was considered to be extinct. And it, Easter Island is one of those tragic stories where the the peoples that lived on Easter Island both had um, a bit of a death wish in that they cut down all the trees and made those huge, fabulous statues that are all over Easter Island. Right. And also they were very badly affected because they're such an isolated population. They were very badly affected by white people arriving with syphilis and Mm. TB and Mm. all the things that we managed to spread around the world. And there's in in the 60s, somebody had the idea to actually look on Captain Cook's um, 
trail to see if any of these might happen to be. And there was a whole lot of them in the botanic gardens in Melbourne. And otherwise, the plant was considered to be extinct. So it was incredibly important that it was found. And of course, we've, uh, because a botanic gardens by definition has a scientific and an educational, um, Profile, yes, and it, and we have sent we've sent cedar of Lebanon, we've sent seeds from our cedars of Lebanon back to um, Turkey and to the and to the Lebanon, and we've sent this seed this back to um, Easter, Easter Island. Island, but unfortunately they haven't got rid of all the goats, so there's still the problem. We we introduced a lot of the things we as white people introduced a lot of the things that really finished off Easter Island, mm. but mm. It, and it's actually. In flower at the moment, and it's a lovely plant. It's really quite pretty, and I actually think I'm going to try and see if I can get one and put it in the garden because I'm into yellow at the moment. Yellow is one of my flavours. <laughs> we have a yellow one on the floor here that both Sue and I love. Yes, we do. We'll, we'll get to some big, of those plants. Big yellow bell's almost the size of a penstinen on it, okay. but the foliage's very similar to a senna. Odorata, I suppose. Mm, yeah, okay. really pretty. Right. Well, it's interesting that you talk about goats on islands, and they're they're now embarking on a, a big program with dingoes to rid islands yes. of goats. Oh, I and, that. and um, what a good idea! Yes, isn't it a great idea? And and the dingoes them, themselves are, are given a, a, a time capsule in their neck, and their life is, is two to three years. And they they believe that they'll clean up the goats. The dingoes will pick up. Um, Something like a thousand goats in about two months. Mm. Wow! What Where, island was that? That was on was TV off, last week. Uh, somewhere off the Fraser Islands. Yes, yes. and yeah. that in turn, because the goats are gone, of course, we get all the native vegetation will come back again. Yes, mm. and Absolutely. stops an enormous amount of erosion and run off into the coral areas. And on is, the radio really this good. morning, they were talking about the deer in Victoria and how the deer have just got completely out of yeah. control. They have. Yeah. Yes, yeah. totally. Well, I know Meg in Gruyere is having terrible trouble with deer, and you have trouble with deer, don't you, no, Andy Nelson? No, no, no. Oh. No deer. Mm. No deer. Well, I know Meg, I mean, I complain bitterly about the rabbits, mm. and she looks at me and says, I've got the rabbits. And I said, yes, I'm sure. I said, and I've got the deer, mm. and I've got the wallabies. And, of course, I've got kangaroos, but they leave my garden alone. Yes, mm. yes, it's the wallabies that it mm. do all the havoc. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And she said the deer have just increased shockingly. Mm. Mm. And they were talking about it on the radio. I remember my first boyfriend when I was in year 11 at school, he and his father used to go deer shooting, which I thought was Terrible. absolutely <laughs> appalling. <laughs> but, of course, it's probably very sensible. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, there we go. I must get to some community announcements because uh, <clears throat> Melbourne is getting busy again. Uh, people are coming out of hibernation and spring is just around the corner, so uh, we're starting to get a few events uh, taking place. Uh, now, a couple for today first up. Uh, the uh, Waverley Bonsai Group have got their show on today. Uh, it started yesterday, but it is on today. It's running uh, 10 o'clock this morning through till 4 o'clock this afternoon. It's at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, which is on the corner of Stevenson's Road and Miller Crescent in Mount Waverley. Admission, um, adults $5, children under 16 of age are free. And uh, there's going to be continuous demonstrations. You can uh, meet and talk with top bonsai exponents. There'll be an excellent display of mature bonsai, a well-stocked trading area with books, uh, pots, trees, tools and wire, advanced stock, 
um, semi-trained and fully trained bonsai trees. So as I say, that is all happening down at Waverley Community Centre today starting at 10am. Now also on today, this afternoon, down at Geelong Botanic Gardens, they've got another of their discovery walks on. This is called Spice Up Your Day. Uh, They're going to be looking at aromatic plants um, for their smell and their taste so you can have fun exploring the aromas and flavours of plants in the Geelong Botanic Gardens and learn how they're used in food, drinks, cosmetics and medicines. Now you meet the guide at the front steps of Geelong Botanic Gardens at 2 o'clock and cost for that is a gold coin donation. Also um, a reminder that uh, Post Office Farm Nursery um, is having some open Sundays uh, now this is running uh, right through until the 25th of September they'll be open each Sunday from 10am through to 4pm now uh, Post Office Farm is at 934 Ashburn Road in Ashburn Ashburn is just out of Wood End um, the phone number of the farm uh, if you'd like to uh, get uh, more directions Five four two seven three double two seven. That's five four two seven three double two seven. And of course, that's because it's hellebore time, and they'll all be out in flower at the moment. So, wonderful opportunity to go out and visit uh, Post Office Farm Nursery there. Now, uh, coming up, fourteenth uh, of uh, Tuesday, the fourteenth, which of course is next Tuesday, is uh, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their AGM. And that's going to be followed by a talk by um, the Friends founder, Sandy Pullman. She's going to be talking about uh, women being admitted into Burnley's uh, School of Horticulture um, for the first time back in 1899, which at the time caused a lot of scandal. But, uh, so as I say, that's all taking place Tuesday, 16th of August. It's at, uh, it's at Burnley campus there at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Six o'clock for the AGM, seven o'clock for drinks and nibbles, and 7.30 for the talk. It's free if you attend attend the AGM, or otherwise $5 for members and $15 for visitors. Uh, If you want to make inquiries, you can phone 9035 6861 or email friends.burnley at gmail.com. And the very next day, next Wednesday, the 17th, the Friends of Burnley are also going to be having a plant sale. That's running from 12 through till 3. They'll have um, a very wide range of native, exotic and produce plants. Location will be outside the Student Union building there at Burnley uh, and plenty of parking at Yarra Boulevard. If you want to have a look at the plant list of what they've got available, you can find that on the website and their website is uh, fobg.org.au. And uh, payment is by cash only. And all funds raised will go to Burnley Gardens Projects. Now, also coming up in August, <clears throat> in this uh, case, the weekend of 20th and 21st of August, which, of course, is next weekend, <clears throat> Garden World have got a spring launch. Now, um, they're going to have um, all-day supply demonstrations. There's going to be special guests there. On the Saturday, Vasily from Vasily's Garden will be there 12 till 2, uh, giving talks about vegetable growing and fruit trees. 
Um, on the Saturday as well, 11 till 3, Brandon Croon, who's a chainsaw sculptor, will be um, creating some amazing pieces of artwork from timber. On the Sunday, 12 till 2, John Patrick will be giving talks about his experience on gardening Australia and landscape architecture. And as I say, there'll be um, a lot of different uh, uh, nurseries out there. Um, there'll be uh, garden landscaping designers there. Garden World Cafe will be open. And uh, Garden Smart will be there giving talks on everything hydroponic and the autopot system. And Lotus Water Gardens will also be out there. So that's next weekend, 10 till 3, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, just a few more that I will get to. Again, next weekend, um, on both Saturday and Sunday, there's going to be uh, uh, annual Camellia Festival. This is being held by Camellias Victoria. Saturday, it will be 1 o'clock through till 5 o'clock. Sunday, 10 a.m. through to 4.30. Again, this will be held in the Mount Waverley Community Centre there in Miller Crescent, Miller Crescent, Mount Waverley. Entry is $5 and members will be competing in the Victorian Camellia Championship. So there'll be a fantastic display of all types of camellia blooms there. They will also be running uh, the Winter Floral Art Championship uh, with uh, Melbourne's top floral artist competing for that one as well. So there will be camellias for sale. There'll be Devonshire teas available. And uh, if you'd like more information, you can phone NOLA. Her number is 0417-194-844. The rest uh, all come up a bit later in the month, um, so I might get to those a bit later. But we should uh, just mention, um, I think you've got this one too, Virginia, um, plant lovers and collectors, big night out. And again, this is for Plant Trust. Do you want to have a chat about it? Absolutely. We have an AGM, and you've no idea how short we can make the AGM. <laughs> we make the AGM extraordinarily short. We have wine and cheese, and then we have a plant sale, and Stephen conducts the plant sale. So, of course, it's a huge amount of fun as well. And this is one of the ways we raise money to keep the organisation going. And we've got so many... Um, collection holders who donate plants and we get just one two maybe three plants donated from different nurseries or collection holders and most of those plants are really quite unusual so you'll get this tiny little bulb and you'll suddenly find that it's um up to fifty dollars because it's so rare and all the people in the audience that know about those things are wanting it right and of course Stephen makes such fun out of this he really enjoys it and it's it's so it's a really really good thing to do and it's, uh, it's in, um, when is it? It's in September, on the 22nd of September, at Domain House, because we are based at the Royal Botanic Gardens. Yes. And we welcome everybody. We do encourage people to join. And as you were going through the, the list of all the things that are on, Margie Petsky, who is our vice president, she works at, um, at, at the um, at Post Office Farm, and the Camellia Society were there yesterday, of course. There was oh, a right. number of the people from the Camellia Society. We've got all sorts of interesting people involved. So if anybody's interested, come on that Thursday, the 22nd of, of September. It'll be so much fun. And it is free admission. It's free admission, yes. We just want people to come, have a glass of wine or a fruit juice, eat some cheese and buy a plant. Okay. Um, times? Uh, it starts at 6.30. Would We gather and we all... 
wander around talking to each other and having a drink and a bit of cheese. And then the the general meeting is at 7.30. When it's me, I won't be there this year because I'll be away, but usually Stephen and I can knock it over in about 15 minutes. <laughs> and then we go into the auction, and that usually takes quite a while. I can imagine. <laughs> we left till nearly 11 o'clock last last time it was on. Right. Yeah, it was a fantastic yeah. night. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. I got a little omphaloides that was a bit of a treasure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Excellent. All right. Well, it's high time we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, particularly we're talking roses and we're talking Australian native plants this morning, do give us a call. The number is 94190155. That's 9 9- Four one nine zero one double five. Graham, you've brought in a rose this morning. Yes, Pam, I've brought in um, a, a, a absolutely gorgeous rose called Child's Love, and Child's Love is is a luminous deep salmon rose, rather big, be bigger than uh, than um, your hand. It's so um, old fashioned, okay, very floral. Yes, and there's. Part of the proceeds from this rose go to the uh, Children's Hospital as a special foundation. Okay. Some of the money goes to. But its, it's a, attraction is really its perfume, its fragrance. It's fantastic. It'll get about 1.5 metres high. And um, the breeder is saying that it's also suitable to grow in a pot if people want to grow it in a pot. Um, of course, you'd need a, a decent sized pot. We recommend people using self-watering pots, which are really good. And um, it's a rose that um, has been out for the last three years and, and it's performed very well. Really good rose. Mm, mm. Excellent. The other bit of our, of our collection is the viburnums and we didn't go and look at them because they're all sticks. And Graham is talking about this beautiful rose, but I have to say it's a stick. It's a stick at the moment. <laughs> it is at the sure. moment. Yes. <laughs> Wait till springtime. Yes. Magic of roses. It'll be flowering in November. How's that? Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at all these gorgeous flowers in, in, in the studio here this morning. Grevilleas, goodness me, look at them, aren't they fantastic? It really is a, I feel like we're in a wedding reception or something. <laughs> yes, it's, yes. it's quite amazing. So should have brought yeah. a couple of spinels in with me as well. To yes, yes. The and, yeah, and, 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 and the birds are definitely a feature with these two as well. Oh, hey? they are, yeah. they are. Tremendous. Yes, yes. And we're looking for birds this, t- this time of the year, aren't we, in our yes. garden? You'll listen to them as you lay in bed even when it's dark. Mm. Yeah, even the Maggies we've been listening to this morning. I have I have the king parrots at the moment, right? And they're so cheeky. I've got a, a hanging thing that I put seed in. I don't put it in all the time because you know you don't want them to become dependent. But I put them in in occasionally, and they actually just sit on the little roof of it. They're so unfrightened of me, right? Mm. And wait while I put it in. And they've got such a beautiful call. And I've got a lot of these not these grevilleas. These grevilleas are extraordinary. But I have a lot of grevilleas in my garden, and the grevilleas and the salvias particularly have have brought those little birds. Mm. Mm. When I moved into my place, there wasn't a little bird in sight. Mm. But now I've got the habitat and they're back and it's wonderful. Fantastic. Okay, I'll just give out that number again. If you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. We've got Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbanane. We've got Sue Stevens from Bushland Flora Nursery. And, of course, we've got Virginia Haywood, who's a guide at the uh, RBG Melbourne uh, all in the studio this morning, so do give us a call, 94190155. So let's make a start and let's talk about one of your plants. Where do you want to begin? Yes, <laughs> well, behind you, Pam, I'll start with that. Okay. The only thing I forgot is 
Um, I didn't bring the plant tags as a parentage, so I can't remember what they all the crosses of them are. But the one behind you, Pam, is called um, Raspberry Ripple. Well, that's very and, apt. Um, mm. Yes, it is. It was one of the names that Stephen was a bit... Mm. Oh, well, I think that's quite I, apt, actually. Yes. yes, we've had conversations at work about um, plant names. One night I was texting Ian... And he said he texts back and he said, they sound like desserts to me. <laughs> and I said, peaches and cream is the name of a dessert and it's one of the biggest selling. Yes, yeah. it is. It's just hard to come up with plant names. Mm. And a lot of the time you look at them and it reminds you of strawberries or raspberries or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sorbets or. But, I mean, it really is a raspberry colour. It it's is. perfect. It yes. is. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. Um, so the plant had probably... I think it's about 60 to 70 centimetres tall, but the spread is wider. So I think that plant's actually going to go to about just over a metre. Okay. It's in the stock garden at the moment. It's been there for about three years. Right. Really hardy. And I actually took, Virginia came up to see us pick up the plants on Friday. So she got the opportunity to see them fully grown in the stock garden and they're just gobsmacking. They're flowers, just the whole of the plant. Mm. So it's... Yeah, and I was thinking you wouldn't. I mean, you can always prune these things, but the glory of it just growing to its full width because it's not the height. The height is quite low, but the width is it's just covered in flowers. So mm. it is so spectacular, and all of them are those are these grevilleas that have got quite fine leaves, which I think are very very beautiful. The fine leafed form, and none of them you were saying none of them get. All that tall? No. It's, they're more for their, their spread. Their width, their width yes. yes. Trying to breed more compact plants. Right. But to get things, they're not a ground cover. No. But they're not, you know, like a, a lot of the grevilleas are a lot bigger. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and not necessarily with lots of flowers. So you're looking at your, your flowers, your fo- the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, getting a nice plant. I'm thinking of using them to actually cut some of my lawn mowing. Okay. Because I get, I mean, it takes me about three hours. Well, not me, because I hate doing it. It takes my daughter about three hours to, to do, and it's also not really lawn, to mow the grass and the weeds. And I was thinking on the side of the dam, which is quite steep to mow, I was thinking these, if I planted these right across, it would be absolutely spectacular. Oh, it would be very spectacular. And, they, and, and they're thick enough that they would really, really restrict the, gro- the growing of all that grass. Mm. I hate the grass as well as the rabbits. I think it's a great rabbits. idea. Mm. Mm. I think it would be beautiful. Mm. So I've brought four in. We've actually got a couple of others that are more ground cover ones, one called Crimson Carpet, which is similar to uh, Royal Mantle. But the second one that I've brought in is a silver foliage grevillea called uh, strawberry smoothie and it it's the smoothie part comes because it isn't prickly if you touch that it's actually really quite soft silvery um foliage with um lemon and pink pale pink little flowers and that grows to about the same size as the raspberry ripple as well okay Mm. okay I must say I love the colour of the foliage on this one. It's just spectacular. It it's is. beautiful. It's a real grey-green, isn't it? Yes. It's really it pretty. Yes. And the pot, that doesn't do it justice, what that looks like. If you see the plant in the garden, you're talking half a metre of flowers all along the stem. Wow. It's just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Very spectacular. Mm. So what's the name of this one, Sue? This is called um, Strawberry <laughs> Smoothie. That's strawberry smoothie. Yes. Right. Simon's moment then. (laughs) (laughs) It is. 
when I saw that in the stock garden, I just went, oh, wow. I just thought it was beautiful. And the softness, there is something, you know, when you're in Europe and you see your trees and the trees are so bright green and that, uh, but this grey green, this softness, of course, you know, our hills are blue because the eucalypts are grey green. That's right. Mm. And it's just such, it's, it's a really beautiful Australian plant. I can imagine if that was overseas, it'd go an absolute bomb. Oh, it mm. would. Because it's so unusual. Yes. The hard part is the propagation. That's fun and games. It's actually, um, with working at Bushland, we found too, we did get a lot of stem rot on the grevilleas. And it's actually coming from the hormones. A lot of it was uh, hormones too high. Okay. And these, when you're actually experimenting with new plants like this, I've been sort of trialling to find what's the best hormone. Um, because a lot of people think if it doesn't grow, put a higher hormone. And I've actually found it's the complete opposite. Right, okay. Yeah, you can actually grow a lot of plants without hormones, even Australian natives. Mm-hmm. They just take longer. Yes. But also you're trying to get a plant that looks good with a good root system because it's no good actually growing it without a good root system. No. Because then when you tube it, you know, it's not good. So there's still, I'm still playing around with a lot of them, yeah. What, what sort of uh, mix do you propagate into? Well, okay. uh, our propagation yeah. mix yes. is perlite, peat and foam. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the experiments, it's more the Clonex purple is where I've had... Trouble the liquid hormone. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of the plants at the moment I've actually changed back to a, a powder one and that's making an enormous difference. And some of them that I've had trouble growing actually didn't need any hormones. Right. I'm thinking, how hard is this? <laughs> I wish I had known that five years ago. <laughs> yes. Especially when you need to do a 1,000 of them for... Sh- for um, like indigenous plants, for um, the shires and things like that, and you That's think, right. why did that happen again? Yes, mm. yeah, you just don't think. Yes, could have done had, that. Had a, a lot of sex, success with cuttings from roses, and okay. cuttings from roses are not easy at all. Yeah, uh, in, into coconut fibre, and the coconut okay. fi- coconut fibre is, if you get it from a clean source, is very sterile. Yeah, and like sterile is in no bugs in it. Okay, you know? yeah, and um, but. There, there is also a need to use a fungicide, and oh. we've had some cuttings that we've been getting um, done, and we've been been getting about a ninety eight percent strike rate. That's fantastic, which is amazing. So roses are difficult, are they? To, in some varieties, or a lot of varieties, in cuttings, yes, mm-hmm. yes, they are. And what time of year do you do them? Well, I've been doing some work at home, and I find to put things in May, right? Which, and and just one water. And forget them. Right. Just leave them. Mm. And that's in the coconut fibre. I've actually used like a fibre, coconut fibre at home, and we've mm. had them at work and also peat plugs too. But the problem is with the quantities that we're doing, mm. there's too much inconsistency. Like when they dry out and then you've got to hydrate them because you can't have them too dry mm. and you can't have them too wet. Mm. And that's, that's why I've given up. I've, I know Ian likes to do that because then you can direct tube with the peat, but I find it really difficult to maintain because mm. there's thousands of plants in that poly, yeah. Yes, mm. right. And uh, if unless you get them all exactly the same to start with in the watering, I've found it, yeah. Mm. But mm. I've, I've used though, that um, coconut fibre mm-hmm. at home and it's really good, yeah. little, the little plugs. Yes, yeah, you can get plugs yeah. and we've been just using, in, in fact, all our roses now are grown in coconut fibre in pots, in eight-inch pots. Okay. 
and we found that's easy to, to mail if we because we're selling roses now over the mail for twelve months of the year. Yeah, and that's wrapped up in in the coconut fibre and and newspaper around them to keep that moisture. Yeah, and the, and the 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 fibres of the coconut fibre hold moisture like like uh, most other potting mixes won't because they they'll just drain through. Actually, on Gardening Australia, I don't know if you saw the other day they had a segment on that because they were saying that a lot of people think. That you that you leave that on the rose when you actually plant it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, Pam. No, so, I didn't, no, yeah. you actually have to take off. Mm. I think it was Gardening Australia. Was it Gardening Program? I've seen in the last couple of weeks. Right, because they were saying a lot of people think that you just take the bare rooted rose with the coconut fibre and put it in the ground. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I would dispute that. Yeah. I, I, you can leave the coconut fibre around the plant, but we recommend people use some some compost as well when they plant it. Okay, because the the, the major challenge with anything that's in the soil is to give it that that amount of moisture. Moisture is just so important. And um, um, so far we, we're getting feedback from our customers and, and uh, the success rate has been pretty good. That's good. It's coconut yeah. fibre. But, of course, being sterile, it's got really no nutrition in it. So you've got to, you've got to um, feed the plant. And if you plant a rose, you need to feed it about two months after it's been put in. But water it in with liquid seaweed. Yes, yeah, that yes. makes so much difference. Do you use it? liquid seaweed? With I do not plant anything without liquid seaweed. Oh, I actually that. soak the oh. plants yes. in the sea salt, so yes. I can collect the sea salt after because I just find yes. it goes uh, a lot further. Mm-hmm. So actually, put the plant in the sea salt mix till mm-hmm. all the air bubbles come out. That way, it takes it all in mm-hmm. and then into another bucket to drain. And I just mm-hmm. do that with all. Mm-hmm. If I don't have sea salt, I don't plant anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, liquid seaweed is, is, so the, is the mystery of the horticultural world. Yes. And I have a student working with us at the moment, and he's saying in the classes there's people saying there, but it's it's useless. Yeah, a lot and, of people say that. And, but yeah. it's not. No, it isn't. You know what I think? I don't think they know how it works. No. Well, <laughs> no, I found I that, that you end up with a, a more vigorous root system on yes. a plant, mm. and particularly with Australian natives. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that sea salt makes the leaves of the plant tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, which a lot of people don't know mm. as well. So mm. you're making it actually more drought tolerant mm. and frost tolerant mm. by watering in your plants with yeah. the sea soil. The skin... And then the immune system of the plant, basically, I think, mm-hmm. isn't it? So the skin on the leaf gets thicker. Yes. So we we found that it'll give us an extra five degrees frost or heat tolerance because just simply because the skin gets thicker. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Plus, if it works on the immune system too of the plant, it's yes. more resilient to pests and diseases mm. too, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Mm. Okay, we've got uh, a couple of calls coming through. We'll just um, uh, we might go to our first one, and we have uh, our good friend Robert in Phillip Island. Good morning, Robert. Oh, good morning. How are you all going? We're well, thank you. Yeah, beautiful morning over here. Okay, good. Yeah, we've had some lovely rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Have you? Produced any flowers from those bulbs yet? I certainly have. I'm glorying in them at the moment, Philip. <laughs> They're just wonderful. I'm I'm waiting in anticipation for the, for some of the slower ones to oh. um to open up. But I'm I'm getting a fantastic range of of colours and shapes and sizes. They're just stunning. Yes, yes. Few nice colours among them, isn't there? Oh, gorgeous. Yes, yeah. They're they're all um to my knowledge they're all seedlings. Right. Un- unnamed, I think. You know, there's such, there's that many these days. You know, that you can only name so many. That's right. But oh, that's great. Look, can I just mention Lee and Gatha uh, Daffodil Flower Show is on the twenty fifth to twenty 
to the 27th of August. Right. Uh, Winchelsea, the 20th of August. Fernie Creek, 3rd and 4th of September. And Kyneton, 3rd and 4th of September. So that's the daffodil flower shows. Right. That are, that are coming up. So they usually have a very good show at uh, Lee and Gather. And um, Stephen's coming up to open the... Uh, He's the Grand Poopa. Right. Yeah, so uh, that'll be eagerly awaited, so he's coming up for the day. Excellent. And then he's um, been invited out to uh, Graham Brumley's Daffodil Farm at Lee and Gatha, so Stephen will see some uh, beautiful things out there anyway. Fantastic. And the um, I was going to ask Graham, that uh, Camp David seems yes. a very good rose, uh, Graham? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, it's a brilliant rose. Is it? If you're ever in Kilmore, go into the racing uh, racing um, grounds and have a look in the jockey's enclosure. There's about 40 plants in there, and they're absolutely magnificent, pretty well all year round. Yes, yes. Go to the jockey's enclosure, though. <laughs> oh, right. You've got to be, you won't get through the, the gate unless you're short. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that little one they call Angel Face, is it? I adore that. That's my favourite rose, but it's damn hard to grow. Oh. Yeah, I was going to ask you. amongst many people. If you really want to grow Angel Face, get the climbing Angel Face. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed in the vegetable patch, I had a lot of lovely broccoli this year, and I let a couple of bushes uh, go to seed, a flower, and I've never seen the bees more prolific. Oh, yes, they love it. Don't they love it? Yes. Mm. So anyone that's got broccoli, don't pull them all out. Mm. Leave a couple to go to flower and you'll get the bees will come. It'll be a, a bees picnic. They come from everywhere. I've found in my garden I've let the lettuce go um, to seed and I've got lettuce popping up everywhere. Yes. I never I never planted anymore. It's fantastic. Yes. I, I managed to do this for years with the coriander, but suddenly it, my yes. coriander's all disappeared. So, yeah, so everything's going, oh, look, I bring the pigeons in next week. I've finally got the pigeon cage built. Okay. Oh, it'll take me about three months. I'm a bit of a gunner, and I've got a bit of help from the fella next door. And uh, the pigeons arrive next week. Then the chook pen's just finished, so the chooks arrive the week after. What sort of chooks are you going to get? Uh, probably eyes of brown, if, if, if there's that's any not, such name. That's not very exciting of you. No. Well, I had a lot at Morwell, and the foxes wiped three lots out. Oh. So, uh, yeah, there's no foxes down here in the island, so they say. Really? So it might be a bit... Uh, have a bit, a bit safer. Yeah, get a, get a few laying ends. And the uh, rabbits seem to be very happy. I had uh, roast rabbit uh, last week for tea. Rose rabbit. Yeah, roast rabbit, and I'll be out next week. So uh, everything's full steam ahead. Robert, Fantastic. Robert, Robert, can I ask you a question? Do you know Fred Silcox coming to Lee and Gather with I, his daffodils? I think he is. Oh, mate, that's worth seeing. Oh, yeah. He, of course, he, he, for the listeners, he's a, a, oh. a breeder on uh, Mount Massenden, not far from Stephen. Yeah. And he's one of the world's top well, breeders. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's an he, amazing fellow. He, Yes, he uh, he bought some uh, exhibits last year, mm-hmm. and they were, uh, with respect to the rest of them, they were a class above. Yes, uh, a perfectionist. Yes, but his knowledge is just incredible yes. too. Not bad for an old meat inspector, hey. Oh, the old meat inspector. <laughs> he used to be. Yeah, he used Did to he? be a meat inspector at Kilmore. Yes, and they have some magnificent camellia. Camellias on show at uh, Lee and Gather oh, too. Really? Especially, some lady grows a beautiful yellow camellia. Mm. But she's got it, it. 
Nisidus, Camellia nisidus. It's extremely rare. It was only discovered yes. in the nineteen in the nineteen nineties. Yes, in the in the west of China. Of course, one assumes the local Chinese knew all about it. But... Yes, no, she she's got some formulas. She does very well. Anyway, thanks very much, and I wish you all the very best. Okay, good to hear from you, Robert. Bye bye. Bye. That number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. In the studio this morning, we have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombenane, Virginia Haywood from the RBG Melbourne, and Sue Stevens from Bushland Flora Nursery. So do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Sue, let's, uh, <coughs> let's choose another plant. Actually, what I've got in my hand at the moment is a... Um Pomodirus, uh, Lanigera dwarf. Um, yesterday in the Botanical Gardens, we were having a look at the collection. Um, Botanical Gardens actually has 42 different Goodness. Um, species of um, Pomodirus, 210 specimens in the garden. Gosh. But I only found probably six on the pathways. Yeah, they actually use the Lanigera um, many times. It's a beautiful plant. I actually have this one and... I'm not sure of the other one in my garden because they have such beautiful, um, not just the flowers when they're open, but they actually contain the little buds of the flowers for many months before they open. And they have beautiful furry leaves, quite often a brownie coloured um, on the other side of the leaves. On the, under, on the underneath the reverse, of the leaves. Yeah, the reverse. Yeah. Mm. They belong to the buckthorn um, family. There's actually 70 different um, species of Pomodirus, six... Um, Most of them Australian, Australian, a couple of them yes. New Zealand. That's right, and one in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, mostly New South Wales and uh, Victoria. Now, I think there's about seven specimens in uh, Western Australia. Right. I absolutely love them because um, you can grow them in part shade and they're not all particularly fussy about the soil. That's yeah, really handy, ma- yes. Mainly acid, but I just think they're absolutely beautiful for... Um, if people haven't seen them, it's probably Karanga Nursery would have a display. When you walk into Karanga, they have a beautiful display showing you all the different things to plant at this time of the year in flower. So they'll usually have some pots of this well, really good investment and very fast growing. Okay. When we did Fiona's um, tennis court there, we only had, we we're trying to get the garden up and running for an open garden and I actually planted the Lanigera dwarf from a... Um, tube and I mean you've seen it now two and a half years down the track mm. it's 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 fully grown it's just beautiful meter by meter at least right yeah. it was interesting yesterday because there were quite a few like Stephen and I who were fairly mm, pomodorous mm. and we all left think oh I'm going to plant one of those mm. and one of them is very butterfly attracting okay so yes. that's the one I'm going to plant that's actually the aspera so um, most of them are, are Shrubs, but Herbertia yes. uh, aspera, is it aspera? Yes, I think it was. Oh, the hang on. Pomodorus. Yes, attracts jewel butterflies, feed on the um, the foliage of the plants. Mm. Yeah, and we actually grow um, Pomodorus racemosa and aspera for the shires for re-veg uh, projects okay. and things like that. Excellent. Done from seed, but um, Pomodorus racemosa you can also do from... Um, cuttings as well. And, mm. and um, Sue, how long will they flower for? When they open, I'm just trying to think. I think they're about three three weeks. Mm-hmm. They don't flower 
like when this this turns dark yellow when right. it actually flowers um so it's like wattles mm -hmm. when i look at acacias they seem to look really really good for a couple of months then when they flower they actually don't last for all that that's long true yes. and pomaderas are like that mm. but they do look wonderful like this yes. when they're in bud and they're in bud for ages that mm. mm. i've been watching them because we were going to do them i've been watching them in the gardens for weeks and they've been in bud for weeks and they're I, they're, they're, they're they're quite spectacular in bud i mean which I think makes a difference. Mine have been in bud for months. Right. Yeah, and they just grow very, very, very slowly mm. open. Yeah. Make a lovely background to an arrangement in the vase. Oh, they are. Really could contrast with it very well. The other mm. one that I've got, I'm not sure, I've lost the plant tag for, but it was in the botanical gardens. It's a very fine leaf, but it's not as furry as this. But okay. Just the way it sits. I've got it underneath a... Um, Calistamin on a horrible bit of ground, and I put it in from a small plant thinking oh, it was a free plant. I got a karanga, and it's just one of my most favourite things because okay. at this time of the year, as you were mm -hmm. saying, yes. it's just lovely. I've got the white Hardenbergia um, flowering on the bank and the pomaderas and westringers, and it's really lovely. Mm. Yeah. And honestly, walking through my garden at the moment or walking through the botanic gardens at the moment, there is so much in flower. It is absolutely fabulous. I mean, it's what um, Tim Entwistle goes on about with Sprimmer and Sprummer. You know, spring needs to be much longer here than it is in the, in the classic four seasons That's we right. inherited from Europe. Yes. And we need to take off a bit of winter and make that into the early spring, and a bit of summer and make that into the late spring, mm. make summer longer and make both autumn and winter a bit shorter because they just are. Yes, yes. But uh, particularly in, um, you know, people say, oh, nothing's flowering in winter, but your Rubbish. Australian natives oh. are mm. just, mm. they really excel at this time of the year, don't and they? And yeah. I've had camellias in flower for for, for There has not been... I suppose the very, very beginning of winter, there was not much in flower, although I still had all those autumn salvias still in flower. Yes. I've just had flowers solidly for months now. Mm. Yeah. And last time I came in, I counted how many salvias were in flower, so that must have been a month ago, and I had 25 different salvias in mm. flower. Mm. Now I've got camellias out all over the gardens, like really old ones that are 20 foot high, and then younger ones that I've planted. And I've got the William C.I., the camellia is really interesting. When the camellia first came into Britain, they, they put them in hothouses because they, they couldn't get them to flower and because they didn't like the hothouses, so they had real trouble. And then around, around the First World War, a man called Williams down in Cornwall uh, combined the, the ordinary camellia that we have, the japonica, with a, a new Chinese one, and he managed to develop what is now called camellia Williamsi eyes, and they flower... And for Britain, they were wonderful because they flowered much further north because they could only keep them in flower down in the southwest corner of Britain. Once the Williamseyes came, they flowered all the way up to Yorkshire. The thing with us is the camellias, the Williamseyes, they've got a, a smaller leaf, and so they'll flower. They will survive our heat as well. And I've got two stunning Williamseyes that have planted facing north and west. Right. They're well, beautifully flowering at the moment. Yes. And, they, and they've and they been surviving there for, I don't know, eight years. Right. 
I think for for listeners to to listen in on this conversation, the feature of what, about what we're talking about is camellias are drought tough. They These are. natives that you, you're talking about here are drought tough, mm. as roses are drought tough. Yes. And and bulbs are great in the garden. Yes, because and they don't have to be but drought tough. They just yes. go to bed when it's too hot. And we talk about the rain now, but the majority of our seasons are into the into the hot seasons mm. and into the drought period. You mm. know, we had a got through a 14-year drought, mm. you know, back in, 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 in the 90s. And that's the reality of Australia, isn't it? That certainly is. And it's is. important. And it's great that people can grow things because it keeps up their morale in their garden. Yes. When you lose plants, you think, oh, that's mate, right. it's mm. just, it's a um, pit. One of the things I've noticed in the botanic, that it's, it's changing. The perennials are getting planted again. Um, you know, we've got lots and lots of salvias in the garden and, they, and they've actually been, um, Meg Bentley has been naming them all. And, we, and, we've got, and we're getting a lot more perennials. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've still got a lot of the succulents and the succulents, of course, at the moment, the, the volcano section of the garden, which is all that very dry stuff because it's the highest point of the garden. It, they're all in flower and it mm-hmm. just looks fabulous. Absolutely mm. looks fabulous how at did, the moment. How did they cope this year? Because we've had more frosts this year. And um, they, the first year that they planted the volcano out, the, yes, the frost absolutely mm. ripped and, through. And, and suddenly it rained. Yes. It's interesting. I think I think they've they've tweaked it a bit. Okay. But uh, it just looks wonderful, the volcano, because it's settled in now. You know, it's mm. been there a while and things are, are down and in and, and it just looks fabulous. Excellent. We didn't get there yesterday because it's a big garden. Um, oh, it's a huge garden. But I must encourage listeners, if you, it's a really good time to go and every day, except Monday, at 10.30 or at 2, you'll get a free guided walk. You just go to the visitor centre and pick up with the guide that's on that day. And it's such a good way to have a look at the gardens because there are so many stories to be told. Oh, about absolutely. Them. And this, well, like the volcano, it's sort of hidden away in that top corner. And yes. a lot of people don't realise it's there. And mm. it's definitely worth it's um, specifically trying to, to find. To go and it. have a look, yes. yes. And we've got, um, they're not in yet, but we've got this extraordinary cactus collection. Um, one of one of the gardeners was driving through. He was on holidays and he was driving through Shepparton um, some years ago now, and and he saw this paddock just full of these amazing cactus. So he went and knocked on the door, and it turned out that this bloke who was then in his seventies, his father was the only Australian who had backed a, a an exhibition expedition. Excuse me into bits of the Americas looking for cactus and things like that, those very dry weather plants. And he had this huge collection. And because he was you know, really getting on and his kids weren't interested, he was thrilled when somebody from the Botanic Gardens turned up. And, and so we've been collecting a lot of them, for mm-hmm. years, like bringing them down and, and bringing them on in the nursery. And the whole, we have a, a cactus collection which got quite damaged by one of the people that come, came in to destroy bits of the garden. And so that's all going to be redesigned and we're going to have this wonderful new collection of unbelievable cacti. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. From this one man in the 30s who decided mm. to back a, an expedition into the, Ameri- the dry parts of the Americas. Good heavens. So, yes, this is the thing. There are yeah. stories in Botanic Garden. Absolutely. Yeah, listeners get and see the cactuses in Melbourne and get to see the volcanoes in Melbourne. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I might add, our volcano. our volcano is actually a dam. <laughs> it's okay. actually a little lake. <laughs> mm. 
was going to say to another plant that's great in the garden at this time of the year are the osteosperms. Right. I don't know if you've got them in your garden, but they flower a couple of times a year and at the moment they're in their peak mm. in my garden and they've got some great um, new ones out there. There was, is it? I think it's called Eyes for You, beautiful, vibrant yellow with a, almost a purple centre. Right. But I have those. They're great, Graham, underneath the roses mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that because, yeah, they're not sort of... Well, there's a new rose now out called Eyes for You. I love oh, that rose. There? That's a beautiful and rose. And it's got a gorgeous oh, mes- perfume. Maybe it's mesmerised. There's some, it's some funny name because the mm-hmm. tag of the osteosperm's got an eye. Mm-hmm. Or is it blue eye? <laughs> <laughs> Mine aren't out, but so it's, they're, aren't they? No, they're just oh, they're mine about are, to come. And they're but, just mm. beautiful. Virginia and I actually have a beautiful cinnamon-coloured one too mm. in the garden. It's just um, gobsmacking, and mm-hmm. that looks so beautiful with your white roses, right. if you can have that under. Mm-hmm. Mm. Virginia, let's talk about... Behind you, there's a yellow plant which you've been eyeing off all morning. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I think Sue wants it too. It is mine. Virginia has three in her garden. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us about it. Go, Sue. Oh, it's a um, Hibertia um, serrata and it's called, well, you can get it under lots of different names. Sunshine, I think. Right. Yes. That's um, apt. Um, it I is. It's a it. very clean yellow, isn't it? Yes. It's a really clear, clean yellow. And I planted them. I got them from Sue's Nursery because on a Saturday morning you can go up there and uh, even though it's a wholesale nursery, you can buy things on a Saturday morning. And is I, that every Saturday, Sue? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. And I went up and I found them in the junk section, which meant they were cheap. I thought, oh, I love that colour. And Sue said, oh, don't buy those. No, they're no good. And now we're competing for them. Because <laughs> the, one, the, the ones I put in my garden, they've just, they're really good. And a really um, clear, clean yellow at this mm. time of year, it really picks up your garden. I'm not, as, I'm not as mad on it later in the midsummer, but I love it now if, I, if I've got yellow in the garden. I'm, mm. I'm actually glad Virginia bought it. And don't kick me from what I'm about <laughs> to say. I thought... I don't want them to die if you go and buy all of those things. And every time I put it into my garden, they died. But I've since found out that they're better to be planted in a spot and forget about them and not give them all that water. Right. I was actually giving them too much water. Okay. So they yep. need to go in an open position. Virginia's got them planted around a water tank in the yes. full, full afternoon mm-hmm. sun. And they're absolutely and they're, booming. They're in a corner of the garden that I don't yeah. often go to. Mm. So they yeah. just... They look of, wonderful. And, of course, my garden is much dry... Because I'm on top of the hill, it's much drier than Sue's. Mm. Yes. And so things grow beautifully in mine that don't struggle in hers and then things in her garden Advice I often yeah. just cannot... Yes, yeah. I cannot get through the yes. summer. Yeah. So that's actually the last one we had at work. I've, okay. I've got it and I'm going to put it into a built-up garden. Right. But are you, is... pro- are you propping it? No, not at the moment. Well, the material they've cut them back. We didn't have very good propagation material, so I've got but to you wait. Will, you will yes, prop it we again. will. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. You struggle with it a bit because it doesn't look fantastic in a pot. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, this is something Stephen talks about a lot. Isn't That's it? How right. do you sell things that don't look good in a pot, yeah. even and, though they're in the garden? They're going to be fantastic. Yes. And this one in front of me, this this peaches. No, what is it called? Um, strawberry, strawberry smoothie. St- strawberry smoothie. It just in the in the ground. It is just gobsmacking. You just go, oh, wow. Mm. But, of course, if you buy it in a small pot, you'll only have a couple of flowers. No, No. no, that's right. 
Yeah. But it's so exciting once it gets the to the one on the end of the bench there. This that was we've, that we've was got, the one Stephen liked. Yes, the one on the end. yes, that's red. Um, it's across um, Bonnie Prince Charlie and Fireworks, I think, or Firecracker. And, and it's, it's a great little plant because it's not – fireworks actually gets to over a metre tall and this is only about 80 centimetres mm. tall. I actually planted that into my garden when we first did it and it's just fantastic. Mm. So you and get the flowers for many months because it starts terminally on your larger branches and then works its way into this beautiful ball. And it's, this plant is a real red, orange and yellow so it's a, it's quite different to these pink ones that we've got. But That's it's, right. It's and beautiful. you would say it's profuse flowers for a mm. grevillea, the end oh, pot, gosh, really. Yes. Yeah. And then we have another pot hanging over under the speaker, past Graham. And that doesn't do it just to see that no. the plant, mm. it looks a lot better in the garden. Called, um, it has very dark red um, flowers with, like, what would you call the inside, the little black See how it's almost black? Yes. Yes, and um, we've called that hot lava. It's very dark red. It reminds me of a Christmas tree. It was another suggestion, Christmas in July. Right. Because it's a contrast of the, the green da- and the, the, green the, green and and the, the red. red. Yeah. yeah, it's really lovely. But it's a beautiful deep red. It is. Mm. It's really lovely. Mm. And big flowers. They're not small. No, they're not. Yeah. Not at all. When you... At some stages there, when you see the flowers actually come out at the root, it's almost like uh, baubles, Christmas baubles. Okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. And when you think about it, you know, like I grow huge amounts of exotics. I've got camellias and salvias and I'm just waiting for my my green and blue ixias to come up. But I've got so many of these um, native plants all through my garden because they're so beautiful. Mm. I just can't see the point of having either or. Just mix no, them. They no. love to be mixed. Yeah. And the birds don't care. They don't, they don't read the labels they before I they... I think that's them. the beauty of having you, your roses and your um, exotic plants that are drought tolerant. If you have that environment, you can put your Australian mm. natives in because you've got the right conditions for all of those things yeah. mm. um, and have a garden that looks good for... It's probably only a couple of months of the year that I don't have very much flowering and the same with you, Jin, mm. in your garden, yet our gardens are very different. Mm. Yeah, mm. but different times of the year. Mm. Yours is really beautiful now, isn't it? Yeah, mine's stunning at the moment. And mine's probably better in um, autumn. Are there, yes. ma- are there many, um, um, I was going to say camellia, camellias, but many of these that you can get, that would get tall, you could use in a windbreak? Oh, yes. I've, I've, I've got 20-foot yep. high grevilleas. Yeah. Okay, 20-foot high. Yeah. The only thing is I was going to say with grevilleas is I've heard, I've not done it, that if it's too windy, they can blow over. Mm-hmm. So yes, I don't well, know. remember one of mine did. Yeah, you know, red grevillea hooks. Bed. Yeah. Grevillea red hooks is notorious for that. Fiona lost hers in the wind because mm. they grow to about three metres tall and they were top-heavy. Mm. Yeah, mm. I'd use calistamines in preference to using a grevillea. I like the she-oaks. I think oh, yeah. the she-oaks are a most wonderful windbreak because mm. they let the wind through and you want the wind to get through in a windbreak. Yeah, you if, you, if, you, mm. if you have really, really thick conifers that don't let the wind through, mm-hmm. they just go. the wind goes up and over mm. and then gets more force as it yes. comes down the other side. That's right. Yeah. And I think the she-oaks are absolutely beautiful as, as a windbreak. Mm. Because they're so, so an undervalued plant, I think, so, the casuarinas. So your selection with the she-oaks is, is you either have the males or the females, otherwise they will spread. 
Is that right? Don't know. I think Roger's outside. He'd know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's another one you can use as a windbreak, is oh, the Leonema. That's gorgeous. Green screen. I love that plant. Grows to about two metres tall. In Virginia's garden, we have a miniature one. Yes, and we don't know why. No. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's, that's a lovely plant as well. Mm-hmm. And that flowers in winter. Virginia, you've got to started. propagate that on. You might have a sport. I yes, think I must I've, have I've been looking world. at it. Mm. Mm. I got it from the markdown section at work about six years ago. And, it's and only when a... Virginia planted, I said, that's the wrong spot. That doesn't go at the front of the garden bed. It's like two metres. And she said, no, I like it. And it never grew. It's only as high as my knee. Miniature. Mm. And it's just spectacular. Mm. Yes. Actually, we should. We should prop we should, off that. In yeah. case, yeah. Because it is just lovely. And, and that Leonema would be a wonderful, a wonderful um, hedge because again, it's not, it's not really, it's thick. not too dense. Mm. No, mm. it isn't. Mm. Yep, and that will actually grow. And I've got that in part shade. It's underneath my eaves in front of Jack's window. Okay, where that grows. So and right. it's dr- totally drought tolerant. Mm. Yeah, really. How good you of, how you with spelling? How do you spell Leonema? L e i. L e i. O. N E M A. N E M A. All right, for those, those people in the listening world out there, if you're interested in Leonemas, you know how to spell it now. Mm. <laughs> okay. And you, you've got them at your nursery? Yes, we do. Yeah. And you'll definitely find them at Karanga too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Excellent. We'll go to our next caller. We have uh, Sue, who's in Narriwarren North. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning. Um, I, this is going to be a basic question because I've gardened for a very long time. But I'm now imparting my knowledge to grade sixes at a school. Right. Uh, you know, on your fertiliser, you've got NPK. I know what the nitrogen do. I know what the K, which is potash for the flowers. Now, what does the potassium do? It's for fruit and flowers of a, a plant. The nitrogen's for your growth. growth yep. The uh, potash is for your flowers. Now, what about the potassium? Is that like... Oh. Uh, well, potash, no, potassium. potash is potassium. What you, the N, the N's nitrogen, the P is um, phosphorate, phosphorate. Phosphorus. What's the, what's the P uh, for? Mainly root growth and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, is yes. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gardened, like I'm 70, I've gardened for a long time, but I'm now doing some volunteer work at the school and I thought, oh, you know, I've got to get this right to tell the grade sixes. <laughs> yeah. But, but not too much phosphorus for natives. No. No, okay. no. It has to be very low phosphorus yes. for yeah, natives. Yeah, it's a, a vegetable. Um, garden that I'm helping in. And, All right. Oh, yeah. yeah, and um, I was just, I think it's called uh, Power Feed or something. It's in a pelletised form, yes, organic yes. stuff. And yes. I thought. I must admit, I do think that we tend to over fertilise. Oh, yeah, but. Not in, in but I think. Because vegetables, vegetables you need, you need it. it. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, vegetables, yeah. But, you know, you know I mean, I garden for a long time <laughs> and I've used them and then I thought, well, if I'm telling grade sixes, I better get it right. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> I? Okay, thanks for and, that. And, you know, a really good thing for your potash is to use, is to soak your banana skins and use that. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, I, I always do that because I get sick of, hack, of paying for all these things when you can actually just use it. If you use everything out of your kitchen, you, it's amazing how many of those minerals that you can get into your garden. Yeah, well, last time I was there, I was uh, sprouting the benefits of... They had a few singing nettles, uh, but yes. I think I've got some blank looks about using them as a fertiliser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know you can. 
Yeah. Use, use it as a liquid. It's 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 marvellous. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and stinging yeah. nettles you'll find in sheep or cattle camps around the paddocks because they 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 grow where there's good nutrition yeah. and that'll impart in the plant. Mm. Yeah, well I've yes. got a little yard with a couple of fruit trees and compost bins. It's where my chickens go, and I've just got heaps and heaps of them. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's very high in um, silica and also in iron. It's That's actually right. really good. Stinging nettles, too, for um, uh, tea. Yes, isn't it? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. have cooked with them once. Or a soup, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Thanks for that. Bye. Okay. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, we are running through until nine fifteen. We'd love to hear from you. Nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine. Four one nine zero one double five. The other thing that she's got here, oh, yes. she being Sue, everybody, is a bit of plastic. And Sue, I've brought in what's it's known as a Yates. Well, it's a little plastic lid that fits over a tray. I actually use these little. So it's a plastic lid, and on the top is an opening and it has a little cover that you can open and close. We actually use them in the nursery when we do tissue cultures okay. to keep the moisture in. But what I was, I brought it down because I was saying to Virginia, this is the time of the year for people that actually want to grow their seedlings. Yes. And it's a great investment. They're about $9. But so if you had your seed raising mixture in your tray, instead of putting plastic bags over the top, you can sow your little tomato seeds or whatever under there or you could have individual little punnets mm-hmm. that you sow underneath. Close your lid off at the top so you're keeping all your moisture in. Then when they start to grow, open them up and then straight up. But a lot easier to look after your little seedlings instead of putting a um, plastic bag over mm-hmm. the top. Yeah. yeah. So where do you get hold of them? We get them from um, Monbok Rural, but I'm pretty sure that you can get these in... Um, Bunnings and nurseries, they're about $9, but they last for years. Mm. And um, we actually bleach in between to disinfect the lids, and they stay uh, in pretty good condition for about two years. So it's actually a really good investment if you had half a dozen of them. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, and actually, if you could even use it on your veggie garden, you know, if you've got a couple of things to keep Mm. the snails and things off as well. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yes, it's like a, like a little plastic cloche. Yes, mm. yeah, but firm enough that um, yes, it's it's not. You don't have to have a structure. No, it, it's its own food, structure. A food cover. Yes, it could be a food cover. <laughs> Put it over grandma's sponges. <laughs> <laughs> but it just happens to fit a tray perfectly. It does. It does. Mm. Excellent. Your frittata would have fit. We made a frittata for the lunch for yesterday's um, thing at the Botanic Garden. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Excellent. Uh, another plant there before we go to our oh, next call. Oh, okay. I bought in Apacris. Apacris are one of my most favourite plants. Um, the one that I've got in a pot here is... Um, I tried to pick some flowers because it's not in flower. Apacris pan pipes. Um, it's a cross longer folia and... Reclinata, and it has a, almost cyclamen and white uh, flowers, but it doesn't get all that big, so it's a small, compact um, apacris. Apacris are great to have in your garden because they don't flower just once a year, so you're getting your flowers now and um, also the start of autumn. 
And the apacris is the is an Australian version of the heath. Yes. yes. Of the heather. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's the um, floral emblem of Victoria. Of Victoria, mm. indeed. Yes. This other one that I've got in my hand here that is pale pink is a metre tall in my garden and about yeah. 60 centimetres wide. And I've got half a dozen of them mingling with the thryptamines, the daffodil bulbs and the corias, and they just look really beautiful together. And they're drought tolerant and mm. they grow in the parche because they're found in... Although I find they're not as drought tolerant as some of the other things because yeah. I've had them in bits of my garden that are very dry and they disappeared. Mind you, when we bought these, because we bought these together, they yes. were quite pot-bound too, so yes. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've got managed to get most of them through. The difference between Sue's garden and mine is Sue's garden's much wetter than mine. Because I water it. No, but even without the watering. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. but yes, too I much. Yeah. I wasn't having a go at you not watering. <laughs> Which Virginia has yelled at me on many occasions for watering too much. So, Virginia, your garden's got that red volcanic soil? Yes. yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it drains just, off well. It drains incredibly well and it goes rock hard. Yes. You know, because yes. it's very clay-based, but it's also very rich. Mm. So well, I don't have to fertilise much. That soil is really prevalent around Lansfield and Romsey. Yes. And they're, they're the best, been the best spud-growing areas for ages. Mm. And underneath Lansfield is an enormous um, water storage area. I've got a mate of mine who's a diviner. He just goes into Lanceville and walks around the property and says, "Go, oh, just stick it anywhere you're right. <laughs> and and that, that drain-off water from that soil fills up the, wa- the water aquifers underneath. Uh, yeah, uh. So Lanceville's floating on water. Mm. Lucky Lanceville. And as, as I've mentioned, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, in the studio, we do have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbernane. Virginia Haywood from Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne, and also Sue Stevens, head propagator there out at Bushland Flora Nursery. Uh, we are running through until 9.15, so do jump on board if you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning. But next up, we're going to go to Pippa, who's out in Sydenham. Good morning, Pippa. Good morning to you. It's so interesting to listen to you. Um, I have a smoke bush, which I want to uh, take cuttings of. However... Um, last year they weren't successful and I'm hoping this is the right time. Could you tell me what I'm doing wrong? I have never propped my cotinus. Well, it actually has a a, a liquid which um, when I placed it in water for overnight uh, so it has a, like a milky sap to it. I was wondering, um, I used a... Uh, the liquid hormone, perhaps I should try the powder. And I listened to your your, uh, earlier discussion on coconut fibre. Should I just place it in that? Um, I haven't propagated smoke bushes before, but I have spoken to a nursery that does, and apparently they've said it's not the easiest thing to do. That's Amanda and Sally at the Rangers Wholesale. Um, I don't have my... There's a book out they're called um, Let's Propagate that actually has a section in it for Australian natives and exotics and how to do the cuttings and at what time of the year to do them. So I can't help you. I would have said, it, when, when does cottonus flower? It's, it's the complete opposite season to when it flowers is what I'd say. Well, it's completely, it's, it's lost all its flowers now. I'd be, I mean, I would... So it's probably normally... hardened off spring cuttings, mm. I would be guessing. Mm. Hardened off spring that's cuttings. That's what I would, yeah. 
If you've taken them now, you're obviously taking hardwood cuttings. No, I haven't actually done it this year. I was hoping for some extra information. I and we, we and we don't have it for you. I suggest exactly. who's who was the author on that book? Angus Stewart. Yes, I thought yeah. it was. I would suggest a quick trip to the library. And, Not a problem. And Can what I might do me? next week, Stephen will be here, so I'll ask him to actually address that problem next week. Great, I'll listen in. Also, tree lucerne. Where can I buy a, a small plant? Of cottonus? No, 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 no. Tree, tree lucerne. Oh, tree lucerne. Oh, burr. I have a feeling diggers I've have a, it. And is it not by seed? Um, yes, but I, diggers would be an obvious one to try. Yes. I will. Yes. Well, thank you, and I'll listen in again next week. Yes, and, yes, and, we'll, and we'll ask Stephen to actually address what to do with smoke bush. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right, next up we've got uh, Lynn, who's out in research. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm struggling with um, two dwarf citrus. One is a lemon and one is a lime, um, and they are fruiting. The lemon was loaded with um, um, flowers, but I can't get the good, a good colour up. I was just looking at the leaves. They're, they're yellow, but they've got the green veins. Um, and I've given it... Am I over-watering it? I've given it lots of, you know, citrus food. I wouldn't be watering it at all at the moment. Um, no. Mm. Where are you? I can't... In be... research, just past Elsa. Right, so you're going to be quite... Cool. Uh, yeah, they do react a bit to they the cold. They do go yellow in in, in winter in the cold. Yeah. The cold. Ah, okay. and I would. I mean, I have about twenty five lemons, and now uh, I would be thinking in of, a pot. No, no, they're Not in the ground. Mm. Uh, they were there when I came, so they're mm. big, and I would be feeding them now. I feed I'll, I feed them twice a year. I suppose in a pot you'd probably need to feed them more, but I I would one be suspicious of the cold. Yeah. I would too be suspicious. Is your pot in a tray, or is it does it is it free draining? No, no, it's up off. Um, it's got some little. Um, so it's little off the ground. Stone, yeah, off yeah. the ground, yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I would check. I, you, you know, the little finger is a very good way to check whether you really need to water because it is possible to overwater them. Okay, and and you would get that yellowing of the leaves. And and in your in, in your pot is it is it under cover? You no, get, it's out in the open. Do you, you get you get frost where you are. Yeah, um, it's cold. It's been cold. Yeah. It's been I, cold. I, I suspect you've got a problem of the cold. Yeah, because okay. um, if you're feeding it, it's not going to be a food problem. Mm. Mm. So I and and we're changing. You know, I mean today it, it's going to be 16 today. It's going to be more on Thursday. So I'm well, getting up today, don't you? I would see if it actually. I wouldn't worry too much about it for another few weeks. If, if in, okay. a, if in a right. month you've still got the problem... Yeah, ring you back. Well, <laughs> I, I, w- I, would suggest, I would suggest, because normally you feed, lit- uh, feed citrus in springtime and in, in autumn yeah. time, I would suggest if you've still got the problem come, you know, September, mm. um, I <clears throat> would actually use a little bit of trace element. Mm. And that's going to cover any deficiencies that it might be. But, oh, but generally, I would say it's probably just the cold weather. And I have you repotted uh, them? Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
Because that no, is the other thing. Uh, if you haven't repotted, maybe it's a bit root bound and maybe it needs new potting mix because potting mix does run out. Mm. My citrus have actually gone yellow though. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in, that, it's in the, the ground. Cold. It's yeah, the cold. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, think that's, we think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I've just I used so. um, rock dust and, uh, uh, to, for the pressed elements. Well, oh, that, okay. That well, will, then you should yeah. be more than covered and I'd just, yep. I'd just sit on it. Mm. Yep. And, okay, but do remember right. that things in pots do need to be repotted. Hmm. How po- often do you think? Oh, I, I do it every year, quite mm. honestly, because mm. oh, really? lemons are so productive. That's yeah. the point; they're productive. Yeah. They're yeah. using up all that all that nourishment out yes. of the potting mix, yes. oh. and the potting mix gets tired. Mm. Mm. And, and that's their whole life. Know. That that root root area in the pot is just its whole life. It can't spread out and pick up other things. Yeah. Plus, they, the root system's growing, so yeah, it could even be pot bound in twelve mm. months. Yes. Yeah. Just out of fact. What's the, so what's the best way of getting that out of the pot? Without How big is it? it? What's that? How big is it? Oh, um, about a metre of the pot. Hmm. Mm. If, get, it's get re- it. if it's really difficult to get it out of the pot, the other thing to do is to just take out some of the potting mix and put yeah. in new. I mean, it would be better to repot it, but sometimes they get yeah. so you can, big you can You can scoop out all the, the, some of the surface potting mix and mm. then add in fresh into the top, and that will filter mm. down through mm. the pot. The easy way that I've found, and I've got four lemons in pots, mm. is put a put a, a, a tarp in, on the ground and tip the pot over, just quietly tip it over, and you can just yeah. pull the lemon out of there, out of, out oh, okay. of the pot itself. Okay, get oh, someone okay. to help you. Hang on to the pot and just get mm-hmm. hold of the lemon tree and just pull it out. And then right. re- it sounds to me like it'd be a good idea to w- give it a really good water first, so that we yes. sort of loosen up and a bit mm. of seaweed in mm. that in that yeah. watering. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, I've learned heaps. Thank you so much. <laughs> good luck. I'll ring you back in a month. And yes, do that. Do that. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll, maybe what I'll do is I'll just leave it for the month and see whether it was the cold. Right, and then exactly. Well, no, but darling, you do have to repot it. You can't leave it in the in the the same potting mix all its life. You'll just it's not. If you want to get lemons and want it to be productive, you need to repot it. Yeah, I'll do that. But what I'm what I'm saying is, if I leave it for a month, and then if it picks up the colour, then I know it's the cold. Yes. But then I'll change the potting mix anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good luck. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Right, next up we're going to, uh, let me see, Pam out in Kyneton. Good morning, Pam. Oh, hello, everybody. How I wish I was bringing up with a lemon problem. Ah. <laughs> well, I couldn't grow a lemon tree out here even if I wanted to. No. <laughs> and, ha- and how's your winter been? I bet it's been really cold up in Kyneton. Oh, it's been terrible. Right. But I was away for five weeks. I was away all of July. I went to the UK. Oh, right. Well, that was sensible. You escaped, Pam. <laughs> oh, yes, but I came back to it all. <laughs> no, it has been really cold to the point where... Everything's slow to get going, mm-hmm. and we've got the Daffodil Festival on the 1st of September, and, um, and you know, you want everything up and running, but anyway, never mind, you can't change the weather. You've got no, to you can't. you with it, don't you? That's right. Um, I was asking about, I've been putting natives down the bottom of my block, down toward the river, so it's down on a slope, and the little philistheicas, they seem to grow reasonably well. And I wanted to put in, I've noticed, are, they, are there taller varieties and shorter varieties? There are, there are. There's all different sides. And also, 
you might have seen um, because there's been name changes. There's actually Eriostamins oh. as well oh. that are. I know. They look I like Philotheca's. Well, I suppose they're all the same anyway. That are much bigger. Yes. So it's the Eriostamin. The Eriostamin, I think, is probably what you've seen that's a bit bigger. Yeah. They're so probably, mine would be about 1.5 metres high. Yeah. No, yeah. So I, so I need to look for the Philotheca. The Philothecas are the smaller ones. So mm-hmm. we do um, Flower Girl at work, which is a... Um, which is as pretty as a picture. Yes, profuse flowers. We do Winter Rouge, Soft Swirls. Um, yeah. And there's a short leaf, but they're not all large um, philotheca's. They range from thirty centimetres tall, probably to no more than a metre. And it's okay. I think it's the eriostamin that you could be after, which we haven't been doing, which is much taller. No, no, I didn't want the I didn't want the big. Tall oh, you want ones. the smaller ones? Yeah, but I yeah. think when I bought the ones that I have. I think they must must have been under their old name, and so looking for them, I've got a little bit confused. I okay. wasn't too sure because I noticed they were all larger, and I kept thinking, where, how did I ever buy these smaller ones initially? Yep. Um, yes, yeah, so they are out there. I've just got to look for them. Yes, Flower things. Girl's probably the what? Well, that that is lovely, Flower Girl. Profuse flowers and tiny little leaves. Yeah, and if you right. just if you if you tell your local nursery to actually look for it at bushland and she mm. could get it in for you. All right. And we've got um, uh, Goldfields, Goldfields Revege up in Bendigo Yes, as well. I sometimes go there. They yeah. have them Do they up. actually sell that up there, though? Oh, I've got no idea. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Because they've get... changed hands, haven't they? They have, yeah. 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 They're still, you know, I, we can still find some nice things. We always find when we buy nursery, when we buy natives, and we go in, my daughter and I, and we look for things. We we are inclined to kind of buy what looks the best rather than go looking for something particular. Yeah. So and because that way, if you get something that's really growing well and got nice white roots and everything, they come away better, don't they? Mm. Yes, we they do. We find that they grow, especially in my harsh sort of area. But um, but I'm, I'm getting there. And the other thing is I've got a hawthorn hedge, which is a big, tall hawthorn hedge, which I want to keep because it's at the boundary of my property next to the river. And I wanted to plant something in underneath it if I could. Or do you think I could grow the clematis, you know, the little... You could grow it through the hawthorn. Yeah. You could grow several clematis. You could grow both native and you could grow non-native. If you grew grew those, if you don't want the really big blousy ones, if you grew those autumn ones, they're much smaller, the viticellas. I want something to fit in with that because it's very bushy and rough and everything down there well, down well i think side. i think you'd find that the hawthorn would give i mean what you need for a clematis is a cool root run and the hawthorn would probably provide you with that cool root run and the other thing with clematis when you buy them they're one of the only plants that it's a really good idea to plant it deeper than it comes in the pot um yes but the native ones what about the native ones do they do, does the same apply to the native ones as applies but they call it old man's beard or yes, something. Yes. 
Yeah, the native apply to that. I think you'd find the native one would just race through that. Oh, it would. Yeah. Yes, I think that's what I'll do. I think that would look really nice. The hawthorn hedge is not thick, not like those beautiful ones I saw in England. (laughs) Um, But and I noticed in England as well, they had um, honeysuckles and Mm. and even the blackberries were growing in them over there, and they weren't invasive like they are here. Well, they belong there. Yeah, that's and they don't grow. They don't grow in winter blackberries. I think. Uh, with climate change, I think you'll probably find that they'll start hating blackberries in, in England because the thing that with them there is they stop over the winter. They just yes. stop dead. Mm. Whereas here they don't. They just keep on going and keep no, on going. No, they don't. The ones on the river down behind me certainly haven't stopped. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I would have thought if you... And see, what you want is to be planting clematis and you can virtually get a clematis that'll flower any time of the year except in winter... And you yes. want to be planting clematis that flower it's late in summer and autumn because there's nothing on the hawthorn then. Yes. And so you'll be providing oh, all the bees okay. and the birds something much later. So, so is there somewhere that you recommend that I could buy them, where I could purchase them, somewhere? Well, I know Tessalars have been doing quite a lot of the viticellas and the later ones, so you yes. might want to ring them during the okay. week and ask them. I mean, you don't. It's, that's just near me, so you don't want to actually come there. But I'm sure that they would. You know, they could be. If you can find the source, then you can get them to your to someone yes. locally. Yeah. Oh. Um, I'll have so, a scout around. But so have a, a scout with Tesla's. I, I mean, one of the things with because they they're not as expensive. One of the problems with um, clematis in Victoria is it's hideously expensive, and it doesn't need to be. And if you can get a couple, you can prop them. You can, you can, if you just take them and bury some of them, you know, like mm. you will find. Then next year you've got more. Yeah, layering them. Just layering oh, them. Oh yes, of mm. course. That, I mean, that happens with the bigger ones if you're lucky. Yes, enough. yes. Mm. And uh, I must admit, I like the Tesla's ones because they're not as expensive. So give them a ring. Oh, uh, I will. But, and the native okay. one, I, I don't know if you've got. I mean, round. Um, in the I'll, I'll go up to um, Goldfields, Revy. Yes, yes they, they may they're well. They're have sure to have the native yeah. one. They're actually yeah. flowering. We saw them flowering in the botanical gardens yesterday. Mm. Oh, they're just yes. lovely. Mm. Mm. I love them. All right, ladies and Graham, hope you're well. Yes, thank you, Pam. Okay. How's your chooks? Oh, they're going well. Oh, I got good. my other little pen back yes. that, that this guy looked after for me, and she's fantastic. She was a little... Um, Coronation Sussex, and she's laying already. You know, Very the chooks would kind of grow three layers of feathers just for the cold. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they've just had their nice warm mash this morning. Oh, that's the way. Give <laughs> them a good mash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you later, everybody. Yeah, Thank you so much for bye. your show and for your help. That's okay. fine. Bye. Bye-bye. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. As I've mentioned before, um, we have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombenane, Virginia Haywood, who's a guide at the uh, Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne, and Sue Stevens from Bushland Flora Nursery in the studio. We're running through for another 15 minutes or so until 9.15, so if you want to jump on the phones and ask a gardening question, do give us a call at number 9419 zero one double five nine four one nine zero one double five 
Let's move on to this one, Sue. It's an aromophila that I have brought in, which is absolutely beautiful. It has a, a lemon yellow flower, and in a six-inch pot, it's probably got about, um, I'd say, 150 flowers on mm. that little pot about to open. Easily. And it's called um, winter gold. Absolutely beautiful little plant. Um, and it only grows to a metre a metre tall by a metre wide. So um, I'll just read this label here. Sunny yellow flowers are produced late winter into early spring with a spreading habit and narrow bright yellow green foliage. And it actually is a really lovely little plant. I wouldn't say it's fast growing. Mm, no, I've got it in my garden and, yes. it, and it's stayed much the same size. Yes. It hasn't really grown, but it's you know, got... And, of course, I'm at that stage... I'd say because it flowers. You find this too with a lot of um, plants that are in profuse flower. It tends to be longer that the plant grows because it's mm. putting everything into the flowering oh. of the plant, yeah. And I've, I'm it's, such a plant person, I would never get any prizes for design because I see the plant and it has to be had. And that's unusual. I've got to have that. Oh, I've never seen that before. Oh, I'll have that. <laughs> I um, don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so consequently, I like things like this aromophila that don't <clears throat> become huge and eat up what little space. I mean, I might have a three-acre garden, but I don't seem to have much space left. Although that's only because I swore I wouldn't make any more beds. Um, it is possible to make some more beds. But, you know, like, I, I mean, I've got a really unusual thing in my garden that is absolutely, it was just so beautiful. And it was out when Teslas had their big sale. And I thought, and I was doing the show. In fact, I was covering for Stephen because he was the MC at the show. So I thought, oh, I'll nip down and ask, I, I cut a bit off and I took a good photo of it. And I've nipped down and asked Stephen what this is because it's so beautiful that I can talk about it. And I went there and not one of them knew. Stephen didn't know. I think it's the only time I've ever given him something and he didn't know what it was. So then I went to Antique Perennials. They didn't know. Then I saw Jeremy from Cloud Hill. He didn't know. So then I went off to the Yaminas. They didn't know. I would go, well, what the hell is it? So I didn't talk about it because I didn't know what it was. Yes. And I rang up Meg Bentley, who lives quite close to me, and said, Meg, would you come over for a cup of tea, please? Meg identified it. Bang. Just like that. And? And it's as rare as hen's teeth. It was brought into Australia by one of the gardeners from the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Right. She has been on two sponsored tours to the west of China, and we have got some very rare Chinese things in there. I've got no idea where I got it from, but I have seen it. I did see it in Mount Tomar when we had a guides conference at Sydney Botanic Gardens last year, and we went up to the Mount Tomar Botanic Gardens. And I saw it up there. It wasn't in flower. And I thought, oh, I've got that leaf in my garden. And I photographed the name. And, it, and that's what it was. it was. It's called a rhinocanthus. I've fallen in love over the last six months with a whole lot of the acanthaceae family. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. It is, it is gorgeous. Mm. And I know the friends in Sydney sell it. So I think I must have got it from somebody who got it from the friends in Sydney. Quite possibly. Yes. And the flower almost looks like a galanthus, doesn't it? It's it's, it's extraordinary. Like it's it's it's, yes. it's um five foot high. Okay. And it's just covered with these very unusual um white flowers that mm. are sort of that they're it's a three petaled thing. Okay. 
And, and how I got to this story is that the reason I've got that is because I bought it because, oh, what's that? Don't know what that is. Got to have that. And so I love things like that. There is a lack of design. I've got some sense of design, but there is a... When I see those gardens that have only got five plants in them, I think, oh, I could never do that. Oh, it's a collector's garden. Yes, it is, I'm afraid. Virginia, for the listeners' information, what are the friends in in Sydney? Is that a nursery? The Friends of the Botanic Gardens. In Sydney. In Sydney. Oh, okay. The fr- mm. Most of the botanic gardens have got friends groups that propagate things because our botanic gardens, you know, Victoria is extraordinary. Victoria has got more, had in the 18th century more botanic gardens than anywhere else in Australia. Yes. And, it, and it's still got a huge number of botanic gardens. Mm. All our regional ones. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, there's so many rare things in our botanic mm. gardens. Mm. And, of course, because Melbourne, I mean, in, by the 1870s, Melbourne was the richest city in the world, the biggest city in the Commonwealth, the most literate city in the world. It was, mm. it, it, because of the gold rush, it just grew so fast. And Mount Macedon is an absolute evidence of the way people wanted to collect rare plants and to mm. grow them. And, of course, Macedon now has got extraordinary number of trees on the National Tree mm. Register mm. because of that. Mm. And the botanic gardens have always had these friends groups who propagate from the, from the material in the gardens and then a couple of times a year they, our Melbourne Botanic Gardens has a sale of these plants. We're having a very big one in September in conjunction with diggers. Mm. And in Sydney, the botanic gardens there have got a little nursery which, which the friends run, which is open all the time. Uh-huh. And I suspect that's where mine came from, but I don't know for sure because I don't take proper notes. And those people in Sydney, do they send plants like in the mail through the year, or I have think, you got to go to Sydney? To get, no, to get I think they do. I think okay. I think they do. Mm. Um, and there's other people buy them from there, prop them on, and then and I know there's mm-hmm. people on eBay that um, are selling plants that come mm. from there. It's amazing how long that lasts. My um, boss that I work for was just been away um, for a holiday and he quite often brings back cuttings from wherever he goes on bushwalks and I was Mm. amazed actually because some of them he had for two weeks wrapped up in his wet newspaper and Mm -hmm. whatever and most of them have actually got roots on already. Mm. Yeah, Mm. great. it's amazing. It's Mm. worth... So you can send plants if you find anything rare in the mail. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We must get to a few of our callers. We have uh, Miriam next out in Croydon. Good morning, Miriam. Hello. Um, I've got a question actually about a grevillea. Um, we've got a grevillea winpara gem. It's about three years old and it's probably nearly two metres high and about a metre and a half wide. Now, we've uh, neglected to trim it as it's grown. It's very bushy and lots of um, foliage. And this year it's flowering for the first time. But a lot of the flowers are about 12 inches back from the end, the tips um, in the stem. So it's a bit hard, sad because we can't really see the flowers a lot. There's lots of fresh new growth on the end. It's probably because did you prune it? No, we haven't. No, you haven't pruned it. Oh, okay. So um, it'd be lovely to be able to see the flowers. It would. I know know of the actual plant. We actually don't propagate with yellow flowers, isn't it, that one? Uh, No, there's sort of a red colour, orangey red. Yeah, Yeah. okay. I think we bought it at Karanga with one of our vouchers that we got from the the, um, fundraising thing at 3CR. So... um, 
Yeah, just wondering, should we trim off the ends now? So I would. See the yeah, I've actually so. been pruning microvillias at home. Yeah. Right. Not okay. a problem doing that. Okay. And then um, when they finish, will that flower, I guess, for some time? And um, Where you're pruning finish... now, though, you won't get flowers where you've no, okay. taken it off. But sometimes by pruning the top, you can cause, um, if you've got a stem that's got... Um, flowers down further tends to push the buds open more if you right. prune the top. That's what I've just found anyway. Right, okay, mm. that's helpful because we love to be able to sit and look at the flowers and let the birds sort of find them as well. So. The birds will find them anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. So good for the and little birds. Yeah, I'm just telling Graham too, we've bought lots of roses from Silkies and they're all pruned and ready to go now for the good. summer. So. All yep. set for a fantastic spring. <laughs> we are indeed. Good. Okay, well, thanks for your help. Okay, yeah. bye. Bye. Right, uh, next up we're going to Kim, who's out in Reservoir. Good morning, Kim. Yeah, good morning, panel. How are you all? We're well. Good, thank you. Yeah, I've um, got a baronia in my front yard. It was one of the first plants I put in about 10, 13 years ago, and it's well over five foot now, but it's starting to brown off. And I cut one of the branches off, and that branch was pretty well dead. Um, but it's still sort of hanging in there, but it's, um, you know, kind of beautiful. And it's one of the rare baronies that's kind of growing big. Um, and I'm just wondering whether it's sort of time to give up the ghost and pull it out, if it's, you know, or kind of how long does a baronia last for? Is You're really very lucky to have it in your garden for that length of time. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yes, yep. I, the longest I've ever had. Well, they're all different. What colour flowers has it got? It's the, one? the little brown ones, the really caught, sort of light, lighter brownish ones. They're the ones that are scented? Yeah. You are buried. I've never heard of a baronia lasting that long. Neither have I. I can't even keep mm. it for a pot for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I'd lo- yeah. I've literally, I've done nothing to it. I've just dug a hole. No, no, in. Kim, that's not the way to do it. Mm. You say, yes, I'm a brilliant gardener. I can grow a baronia for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's next to the, it sort of went a bit funny when I put some salvias near it, but uh, but I don't know if it was just because it was just a bit older, but it literally it doesn't get watered. If if anything, it might get a bit of worm juice on it once in a blue moon, and that's okay. about it. Yeah. Well, so, well, we all say congratulations. Yes, absolutely. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a photo of it then. Yeah. So, and go uh, and buy another one. Okay, that sounds yeah, a good they're not idea, that easy to prop, so I wouldn't. Um, I have a okay. lot of difficulty with them. Yeah, I okay. whatever you do, don't change what you're doing. No, that's <laughs> great. I actually had a lovely pink one um, that, and I was very proud that I had it in the garden for five years as a centerpiece in my daughter's garden, and a dead tree fell down on Tuesday, oh, and no. it is no longer oh. there. Because yeah. it's just such a gorgeous plant. I know, I yeah, and it was so. a rare one. We used to do at Bushland called um, um, Pink Shadows. Oh. And it was like your brown baronia, but a beautiful pale pink mm-hmm. and scented. So very disappointing. I actually took some cuttings off it and mm. I've got them in at work just to right. keep it going, actually, because mm. we don't do that anymore at yep. work. So mm. I have found the pink ones do last longer than the brown. Mm. Yes, yeah, oh, another beautiful oh, one too is a lipstick. Yeah. Even though it's not scented, the colour is absolutely mm. looks like a lipstick, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. No, I'll, I'll head out today and go out to around Ormonds down um, 
plenty of road and see if Good luck, Kim. Some. Yeah. yeah but it's worth having one. the Baronia for the scent. You have oh, to have beautiful. a Baronia and you have to yeah. have a Daphne and some Freesias, yeah. I find. I've got, I've and got roses. Freesias. They're good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is it a good time to strike some Selvias? Because a whole lot of mates want a lot of my Selvias that are in my front yard and I've promised that I'd. Absolutely. Do that. So this is. Ne- well, I actually. I grow salvias all year, but it's if you have a look at your plants now, they're putting out the new growth. You've just got to be careful that the the um, cutting material that you use isn't too soft. You might have to wait okay. another month or so, but you can grow salvias from um, the older growth too. You don't have to have the tip growth to to do them. No yeah, worries. Especially Thanks things like hot lips and. Your marine blue, oh. they strike up really easily. I can't remember the names because I, I forgot the label, yeah. but they're beautiful. And the winter ones is a good time yeah. to propagate the big leaf salvias at the moment too. Okay. Yep. Thanks very much for that. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. We'll have to very quickly try and get through these next two calls. First up we have Anne in Oak Park. Good morning, Anne. Oh, good morning, Carol and listeners. Um, I want to talk about birds in the garden this morning. I've got magpies, ravens and sparrows and honey eaters mainly and I'd like to know, I know about companion planting and how to encourage birds into your garden but I'd like to know, where can I find out more about magpies and ravens in particular because I'm very interested to expand my knowledge? I'd go to your library. Yes, and there is there is a very good um, Bird Australia group here, and and if you look that up in the library too, they'll have some contact numbers. Okay. Oh, uh, so I can look it up in the library, can I? Yes, you're, there is a bird group. I thought I might have a phone number for them, but I, I'm just looking in my book and I don't. But there is a there is quite an active bird group in Victoria. So the library okay, will be able to... But the library will also have reference books mm. on Australian birds. Mm. Right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Good luck. And uh, we're going to Narelle in Bayswater. Good morning, Narelle. Good morning, panel. We, we have to be quick, Narelle. I just want to know when you prune a leculia and how much do you take off? Well, I would, I would prune it straight after flowering. Yeah, Is it in flower now? No, it's finishing. It's finished now. Right. Well, I'd prune it now. Yeah. And I think you can prune them quite hard, but unless you really want to, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, we pruned it usually quite hard, and this year it has grown huge right up over the gutter. Oh, right. Well, then you need to prune it down, or you'll have full gutters. Yeah, you're right. But um, so you can prune it. But does it? Is it a little bit cold, cold hardy? Um. No, I I have trouble growing laculia. It it yeah. doesn't like the cold. No, that's what I but, meant. I meant cold tender. Yes, yeah, it is yes. a bit cold tender. Yeah, but tender. but oh, I think sorry. but you want to prune it now because I think I might be wrong and you could look this up, but I think it flowers on new wood. So if you prune it later, oh. you'll end up pruning out next year's flowers. Okay, okay, right then. Well, yes, well it's finished now, and I'll go out and have a look. And Good on you. Down because I I just knew that it was pretty cold, and I thought oh. I don't know. Well, you could, yes, and obviously in a week's time it'll be a little bit warmer. You could wait a week, but you don't want to wait a long time. No, if you don't know with the plant. I had a look and the new leaves are sort of forming in. in yes, yes. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be worrying about the leaves, so I'd be worrying about where the flowers are going to come for next year. Oh, thank you very much for that. I didn't know. Okay, then. 
good. And and one thing quick. Yep. High the ranges. They are the hardest things out. No, but do they do they butt up uh, like later? I mean, some of ours it hasn't got its really buds down low yet. I'm surprised. Mine have, have budded. Mine I've, have budded too. I have pruned mine so hard. I suspect. Yeah, I, I just wanted to know if I prune them hard, will I get flowers? Even though. You- you might not. I'm suspecting I'm not going to get as many flowers this year, but mine had got to the stage where they were 10 foot high and they were ridiculous, so I've pruned yeah. them down to a foot. Oh, okay. Really? And I'm quite would sure that I won't get many flowers this year, but I'll get plenty the following. Yeah, and they're really woody too, old wood. Yes, and I wanted to get rid of that old wood. Oh, okay, right. I'll, I'll do that on my notes. So one year you've just got to choose to be harsh. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, um, but they flowered beautifully, so they say if, if they've flowered, then you prune them down, and if they've flowered, then you won't lose your buds for next year. Yeah, yeah mm. that's right. Okay, we must go, Narelle. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've run out of time for yet another week. A big thank you to the team. Good to see you again, Sue. You too, Great. Man. It's been wonderful surrounded by all these flowers. And I have to say a huge thank you to Liz, who's been handling all the phone calls this morning and kept very busy. We'll be back again next week. Until then, bye for now. They say with Hydra, the best. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.